welcome dan thank you thank you for having me thanks for coming on brother i'm uh, i'm honored to get the invite so. dude i am honored that you're here especially after doing my research today um i know a lot i know a lot about, about aussie rules now relatively okay i still want to learn more i have tons of questions it's been uh it's been a hectic setup honestly we've been here for what like an hour or so. Yeah. Eamon wasn't even supposed to co-host. Yeah. We, I knew Ben was on, yeah. so I had to jump on, so. <laughs> no, well, I, I didn't have my key to go up. I call Eamon. Ten minutes later, he's not there. So I'm Eamon, what's going on, bro? Like, we're getting this podcast set up. Eamon's like, yeah, man, I, w- I was talking to Ben, and we were just in this enthralling conversation. I'm like, bro, you can't just stop the conversation and open the door. Third time I had to go get the keys, too. <laughs> yeah. Go get mowed. Well, I forgot yeah, my I the key. Yeah. Yeah. The key situation has been underplayed here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> but still, we're setting up the podcast, the context, right? And he's like, dude, like, we should have been airing right there. We're going into some great stuff. And that got me thinking, Amen, co-host our pod 20 minutes before. And he's he's here. Peer pressure him into it. it. Credit to him. But Stepping up. Yeah, five episodes in, he's finally on. Um, but yeah, bro, there's a lot to talk about. Aussie rules, AFL, playing out there. You come out here to USC, star punter, all Pac-12, going to the league I think I was soon. honorable mention. I don't think I made the Pac-12. Uh, we'll, say, we'll say all Pac-12. If you're going to give it to me, pack. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> um, bro, I don't even know where to start. Um, I was learning about the rules. It's, it's, an, it's a crazy game, and I think a lot of Americans don't even understand what it is. Myself, I thought it was rugby. And I think, really, if more Americans uh, understood what was going on, they would get behind it. And I also didn't realize it's the fourth most attended sport on the planet. Mm -hmm. It's crazy, dude. Yeah, well, I think in my my last year of playing in 2017, I think our team averaged 54,000 people per game. Wow. Um, And the stadium, our home ground, the MCG, has like a 100,000 people capacity. Um, And... It's massive in Australia. And I think the reason it kind of doesn't catch on over here is just like there's no uh, infrastructure in place to kind of support it. And I think there, there are actually AFL teams that are, are based over here and there's a, a US AFL league, which uh, I know we're going to talk about Mason Cox later, but he actually played in. Um, oh, really? So he started then, playing Aussie rules here in the US and then he went over. Yeah, well, I think he was a college basketball player. And yeah. then... Uh, was playing for the Austin team, I believe. I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, and then through there, I think he they initiated kind of like a, a draft combine for athletes over here that didn't get drafted into their sport um, as a way for AFL recruiters to scout talent over here. And um, I mean, he's a pretty incredible athlete for his size, and yeah. uh, he's been able to to translate it really well. Wait, can can you explain it? So. At Penn, I took this class, crazy class. Uh, it was more like storytelling. Teacher loved Ozzy Rose football, always watched it. And before class, he always play highlights and stuff. So we all come into class. We see this weird game going on. It's not quite rugby. It's some kind of European. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Found out it was Ozzy Rules. Kind of interesting. Can you just, like, lay the premise of it, how you score points, the teams, how many players on the field, all that good stuff? Yeah, okay. So you have... Uh 18 players per side, and then you'll have four on the interchange bench as well. So you've got 22 people total. Um, and basically, you have uh, two big posts, much like the field goals, and then you'll have uh, a smaller post either side of those. And if you kick it through the middle ones, it's six points, uh, and anything to the side is one point. And then if, if, you, if you miss it completely, it's out of bounds on the full. It's a free kick to the other team. Everything that happens in between is very complicated and the rules are constantly changing and it's actually a, a, a very good subject point at the moment because there's been rules that have been changed back home and I think everyone's kind of confused as what hap- as to what's happening. So um, the easiest way to describe it is it's much like the, the gameplay of soccer in the way that like the defense moves and like your attack kind of moves. Um, but with a rugby kind of yeah. concept to it. As but well. kicking's a bigger part of the game than rugby. Yeah. Right? So much like uh, the quarterback throws the ball over here, we, to pass it, would kick with our feet. Got it. Yeah. And that's how you get a composed yeah. possession. Well, the big, so I was watching highlights all day. I was on this rabbit hole. And all the big highlight plays are ones where you kick it 
really high and far, and then it's just a mosh pit. It's almost like a jackpot situation, and then the, the dude just jumps the highest and catches it. I guess that's called the mark. Yep. Right? There we go. Yeah, so if you mark and, the ball, yeah. then you get uh, like a composed possession, so the, the other team can't touch you. So yeah. you then move back off the mark. And you have an opportunity to kick it through the yeah, post. Yeah, you get seven seconds to kick it, okay. or if you're having a shot at goal, you get 30 seconds. So, like, <laughs> it's hard to explain without any visuals. Yeah. But, uh... It's yeah. a good thing we have the visual. It's a complicated <laughs> We've got the highlights popped up. There's Okay, so this is... All right, we've got the overall highlights, and we've... Let's first put the one where... This is the one you catch it, right? This is a big mark. Uh, you're going off your the YouTube clip. Uh, which, wait, which one are we showing? Put, put the Do first one. This one or the other one? Put this the first one? one. Yeah. Oh, the other one. No, yeah, the other one. Yeah. The gigantic this, this screamer. This catch is insane. Bro, I didn't know you had this in you. Please hold. I was a bit younger. Yeah. I don't have the budget. How old were you? Yeah. Oh, this one? Uh, oh, here we go. This would have been 2015. Oh, um, sorry. Bad timing. I mean, you went up. Bro, so I saw this earlier today. And I'm thinking, why aren't you playing yeah. tight end? Oh, I'm too old you're, now. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I can't uh, move anymore. Bro, you're 6'6", what, 240, 245? Yeah, 245. Are most people that big playing Ozzy? Uh, like you mentioned the basketball player, right? Are most people like 6'4", 6'6"? I think uh, even from when I started playing, so I got drafted in 2009, I think the the average kind or the prototype of the player has changed so much. I think even now it's like you got guys getting drafted that are my size that move better than me, are way fitter than me. Um, and even the way the game's changing because of rule changes as well, um, there's a bigger emphasis on endurance now um, and far less on strength. Uh, and it's about who can kind oh. of outrun because of... Really? So what they've done is they've capped um, with interchange. So you can... You can only make a certain amount of changes per game. So players have to stay on the field for longer. So now players have to be able to run better. Um, and then obviously the development pathway as well is much better now. There's more funding and, and the guys coming through are just incredible athletes. Yeah. 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 And talk about, because upstairs we talked about it a little bit. I thought it was interesting. So here, um, especially through football, you have to go through college and everything and, and to a way to get to the pros. There you go straight out of high school, right? Yeah. You get drafted. Then there's like a development stage. Yeah. Can you talk about that. Like, what was draft like coming straight out of high school? Was it a big deal? Then how did uh, developing into a pro become? Yeah, I think uh, the pathway is very different. Like, uh, it kind of starts real young too, because I, I probably started playing football when I was five, and then you kind of work wow. your way through like local leagues. Um, and then up and towards uh, under 18, so high school age, um, state level kind of competition. And then from there you get recruited um, and then go to like development teams and that sort of thing and uh, go to the combine. And then, yeah, you're drafted straight out of school and clubs will invest uh, four or five years into a player if they think that they need the development. So a, a key position player like myself who's taller um, may need some more time to kind of grow into my body um, they'll invest four or five years into to try and get to the point where they're, they're ready to kind of play. Um, because coming out of high school and going against seasoned veterans who are 25 to 30 years old, um, who have played the game for a long time, really smart, like you're a really elite talent if you can come into that situation and perform. So are you coming out? Are you making like a big contract? Because we talked about all guaranteed money. Are you making mills coming straight out of high school? And is that crazy? Or what was it like? Or only the elite players? Yeah. So I think the uh, the average salary, if you like Googled it, would be a little bit skewed because of the, the top tier talent. Um, and you may have like two or three players at each club that are like getting paid serious dollars. Um, but even then, like that's not really comparable to the money that you can make over here and i think that comes back to the um, the fan base and australia's got 25 million people compared to america with 350 million people or whatever it is but um so there's just not like that the general uh, you just don't generate as much um fan base and, and money coming in through that way but uh yeah it's 
it's still very good money for a kid coming out of high school. Don't get me wrong. And even like now, the uh, the money that they're earning on base salary, which is all guaranteed. So if you you come, you get drafted, you've got two years at the club. Like you're not going to get fired the next week. Um, and that's where it's also dangerous because you have guys coming straight out of high school, walk straight into a disposable income. Um, and that's why that development kind of role at the club is so important. Um, and the investment that clubs make in those first four years um, to make sure that they're on the right pathway and, and learning good habits. Talk to me about the physicality of the game. So I saw somewhere today where they said if you play over 100 games, like that's a very elite threshold, which I believe you did, right? Over 100? Oh, I played 63. Okay, 63. Yeah. Well, almost there. Yeah, nearly. Uh, yeah, a couple yeah. seasons away. <laughs> well, you played eight seasons, right? Yep. Okay. I mean, that's, that's a very long time to do anything professionally in terms of athletics goes. And, you know, much more when you take into account the physical beating and the big hits and all the highlight plays and all that. Um, you know, how how does that compare? Well, so you play punter, so it's different in terms of, like, you're not experiencing the day-to-day of football. But, you know, how, how does that look in between games in terms of recovery and, you know, how many, how many days in between games do you have, off-season recovery? Because uh, a lot of people don't last that long, right? Uh, it's a really long season. So they have 23 weeks um, for the 22 rounds and they have a mid-season bye. And uh, it's structured very similar to how it is over here. You play each weekend. Um, but you may play on a Friday night one week and then on a Saturday the next weekend. So that's where kind of what you're saying, the recovery side of things is so important because not only are you kind of dealing with the physical contact of contested situations and um, you then have to run a heap. So after the game, like it takes two days to kind of feel like you can walk normal yeah. just because like you've copped bangs and um, your joints are real sore just from wearing the load. Um, like I, my shins would be banged up the whole year, yeah. just like bruised cuts. Well, also the field's 200 yards. Yeah, so like <laughs> the running side of things. Dude, how much is, are you running per game? Uh, in kilometres, uh, which I'll have to convert. I was probably doing just under... Uh, shoot. Um, so I think the most I ever ran in the game was uh, 16 kilometres, which I think is 10 miles. That sounds about right. Yeah, that's right. it's 1.6, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's about ten miles a game. Okay. And uh, dude, that's insane. Yeah, look, you spot on. Oh wow. Oh, kilometers, but yeah, yeah. It depends on your position too. Like we had guys in our team that wouldn't run as much. What uh, position were you? I was a a forward, but then I would also go into the ruck. So, um, I would start forward, and then when our number one ruckman would go off onto the bench for a rest, I would kind of take his place until he came back on, and then I'd cop a spell, which (laughs) which I would need. (laughs) <laughs> and then I'd come back on and then uh, yeah just keep doing the job bro what am I watching when so they, they do the kick pass in, in the was it the semi-circle where you can be eligible for the kick through I'm, I'm, I'm saying this all wrong in terms of terminology yeah but do you get I'm, what I'm saying like the kick ball <laughs> well, like, when they kick it up and then it's like a jackpot situation to catch it oh uh, yep so what's going on where these guys are climbing on people's shoulders and catching the ball yeah, so like each team will have a, a game plan they want to do. So yeah, basically... Just, just the, like that almost. Yeah, the, the long kick down the line to that pack yeah. would be kind of like a get out. So that's like your last resort. Because oh. ideally you want to kind of pick pick apart their yeah. defense and, and split them through the middle and open the game up. Um, but if that's not on because they've pressed in really well, then you kind of just have to bomb it long. And that was quite often my role was to kind of be that get-out option. So if they needed to just kick it so, long... Yeah, you're in the I'd pile be, and you have to catch the ball. Yeah. Have you ever been on the opposite side of that where someone ju- jumps on your back and mosses you like that? Um, <laughs> nah, I've never been mossed, but uh, I've certainly been manhandled a few times. In, oh, they, in, like, box you up? Yeah, okay. and and that's something that we would train a lot during the preseason mm. um, was a lot of uh, body work and, and one-on-one situations. Yeah. How about the stadium itself? I've heard a lot about... MCG. Oh, amazing. Greatest stadium in the world. Yeah, without a doubt. It's so big. How does that fit? Over 100K, right? 100K? Yeah. But I think, Have too, you? like the field size kind of makes it feel massive. Really? 
Yeah, because the field, like you said, is like 200 yards long by, I think it's actually 100 and, 180 metres long and 167 metres wide or something, which is a lot of yardage. But um, How does it compare to playing in like the Coliseum in terms of like the fans and the environment and the atmosphere? Um, the Coliseum's got a really different feel because it, it almost feels like the stands kind of just disappear into the darkness. And it seems, it's just, it feels gigantic. And everything's on the same level. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's different. How about it's rowdiness? Awesome. Like, just fans. So, we had OJ on the first episode. Do you remember Bolin? And we, we pulled up the European basketball games. Oh, they're crazy. It's not they're even like soccer, light, just basketball. They're like yeah. flares and stuff. Yeah. Inside. Yeah. Wow. Apparently, they sneak the flares in into, like, really? foot-long subs and then pull them out. Oh. Like. <laughs> It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I had no idea, but I'd imagine AFL is something similar. Uh, not really. Like, because the game is so free-flowing, like, the crowd kind of just tracks the game. Mm. So they're very, uh, very active with the umpire's calls and, like, very vocal when the they think a decision should be made. Mm. Whereas over here, it's very much like a game is, uh, it's like a performance almost. Like, it's very tactical by, like, the marketing team yeah. in how they're going to engage the, the fans to kind of want to come and then want to stay. Uh, whereas back home, it's like everyone comes because they just want to watch the game, see people crash bodies and see their team win. Um, but I think, again, that kind of comes back to the the stop-start nature of American sports in general, I think. And I think that also kind of stems from, uh, like, all the ads like there's so many ads yeah. during sport over here. Yeah, that's true. And they take forever. So it's like the game could actually be over and done with in like two hours. Yeah. But like it takes almost right. four. Well, in terms of actual football being played, it's probably less than an hour. Or 100%. Yeah. Probably way less, like half an hour or something. Yeah. And you're nonstop in AFL, Aussie rules. Yeah. And I think that you have 20-minute quarters plus time on, so they usually go for about half an hour. Yeah. But there's no pause in between. So it's like the crowd is constantly engaged and they don't need to yeah, yeah. to kind of force it a bit. Um, and I guess that comes back to different kind of culture as well. So like we talked about kind of the crowd. How is the psychology of the players? So is there a different way the players, you saw the players go about it in the locker room and how, how they were in the makeup or um, was it pretty similar? Yeah, well, I was actually watching your, uh, your chat with Coach Mustin and Coach Tupo. Yeah. And... Uh, um, Darren brought up a really good point about not everyone likes to listen to the Same really loud music, music and yeah. and that sort of thing. And I think that was really kind of relevant back home. Like if people wanted to listen to music, they would have their headphones on. And then that would kind of signify to other people, okay, like let them do their thing. They're like listening to their music. That's how it works for them. Um, then other guys would... Um, like to go out on the field beforehand, run around a bit, kick the ball, really relaxed. I'd just like to kind of walk around. I'd listen to music for a little bit and then kind of just interact with my teammates, um, which I kind of do now. I kind of just pace around. I just, I don't know if it feels good. Yeah. Um, but the psyche side of stuff, I think there's so much room to grow over here. Um, and especially for our team too, like I think it's a really untapped kind of potential Um in getting more out of players. So you're doing something not completely different here with football, but, you know, when you played in Australia, there's the physical element that you're not quite reaching here. Does that play into your your pregame, you know, mental, your mindset in terms of preparation for that game? Um, I think it does, yeah, because, like, I'm not thinking about, like, how, like like running patterns and having to work really hard to a certain spot. All I'm kind of focused on now, I can kind of narrow it now and streamline my focus. And um, in many ways, that's kind of been a nice thing and a nice thing to adjust to. Um, whereas I can really just focus on the one thing and like this one particular task and that's to kick the ball where it needs to be kicked and yeah. like help my teammates. Um, but then on the flip side, it's hard because my role is so limited. So it's like, yeah. well, I, if, even if I execute my job, I, uh -huh. how, do I, how else do I impact 
the team, you know? Right. Is there almost more pressure in that? And you have one responsibility to punt the ball and like everyone's staring at you, kind of the same thing with a quarterback, but fourth down, you're, you're the guy, you know, if you bobble it or something, it's kind of the same thing with a holder. The only time, you know, someone comments about him is when he messes up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Is there more pressure in that or does, does AFL present more, more nerves in that aspect? Uh, I think there's more, probably more pressure over here because the game is so free-flowing back home. So it's like you screw up. There's not enough You're, time yeah, to worry about it. Like yeah. if you stop to think about it, the game's past you and yeah. you've probably made another mistake. If you Whereas, shake a punt, you're going to the sideline. Yeah. The camera's on you. You've got a lot of time like, to think about it. what are you it? doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah. You have a long time to think about it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it can be hard. But at the same time, that's where your preparation is so important and – that's something that I really value and pride myself on is making sure that um, I've done enough work during the week and in the months before that, that I know by the time game comes around, everything I've done in the week is actually harder than the game time. Yeah. And when I'm out there, it's actually just, like just I'm just reacting, going out there and yeah. I'm just reacting and doing what practice. I've trained, you know? Yeah. Because if you're thinking when you're out there, it's like there's not enough time for it in a game. 100%. Yeah. But you've been a pro for eight years, right? Like, there's still kids here trying to bounce school, trying to, you know, work steady. I don't know what else they're doing. Yeah. And especially being in Los Angeles, there's so much to do. Like, did you have that mentality coming out of, you know, high school? Or is that something that they coached you up and developed you when you first got into the league and stuff like that? Um, yeah, I think uh, it's definitely something that was learned. Like, I mean, there was an, an element of, yeah, I knew how to work hard. Um, but probably, I mean, no one knows when they're 18, like how to fully apply themselves. And I think that's where learning from your teammates who have been there before and also the club investing in you as a player will help you develop in that area that makes you a good player. Um, and I hope that that's something that I can provide to the team over here is, uh, is how to apply themselves and to get more out of themselves and, and to not put limits on what they think they can achieve. Or how, or how far they can push their body. And I think that's why our program at the moment is actually, has been really awesome is because our team is now learning like, you know what, like I'm getting through these freaking hard weeks. I feel good. Like I'm ready to attack the next week. And that's where confidence comes from, is from doing the work. So then come game time, like they don't have to think about it. They're like, you know what, this guy's going give to give me his best. I've done so much freaking hard work. I'm going to dominate this bloke. You know, like, and I hope that that's something I can, you know, give yeah. back to the team. Nice. Yeah. Uh, do, do people, do you think people are receptive to you? Because you're, you're much older than everyone else, right? Um, everyone's like 18 years old, coming straight out of high school. I feel like the old man inside the house, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the oldest by far. Do you feel like alienated anyways, being that much older? Or do you think you can still connect with these kids and uh, provide a, uh, value to them? Um, I, well, I like to think I can still connect. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, hey, I'm kind of yeah. hey, By the way, if you're ever interviewing a woman one. that's older than you, I would soften that up a little bit. Yeah. Going. I kind of, uh, it's, it's kind of nice being around, um, younger guys. Like it makes me forget about how old I am, um, or how old I'm becoming. Um, but yeah, I think. Playing AFL, you were dealing with new draftees coming in anyway, so you kind of, kind of had that experience of dealing with younger guys coming in. Only now it's I'm on the only one. I feel like I'm kind of left on the island a little bit, and then there's just this big distance in between. And but no, it's fine. Like I often forget about how old I am, and I I, I think the age factor is not really a thing. How about the difference in training between the two? You mentioned our. Our new program here with uh, you know Coach Steiner coming in for Notre Dame and all that, and they're working us. You know they're they're challenging workouts for sure. The mat drills, you know we're we're running for us in the weight room. Just kind of curious to see how that differs or the similarities between an AFL training regimen versus college football. Yeah, I think um, even our old program was very much tailored towards like being really good lifters and. Um, Talk about here. Yeah, here. Yeah, and uh, and then now we've kind of seen a shift to to more, I guess, like a baseline development in like anaerobic threshold. Yeah, and I think that translates really well to to football. Um, 
But uh, as compared to back home in Australia, the, it's very much endurance-based. So kind of like the emphasis that's placed on weights over here would be placed into running. Um, and then also you get a lot of your endurance through the training. So like they, they set up drills um, so that you get conditioning from it, um, which, I mean, happens over here too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that the greatest difference is probably the emphasis that's placed on on weight training and you need that over here because you got guys that are dealing with knocks every every down and like you need to have that protection well don't um, you need the same thing in Aussie rules yeah you need like an element of it because if you need to be like super fit and but also it's super like full package also you have strong. to have both yeah you got yeah. to find like this balance in between because if right. you're too heavy and like got too much muscle, you're not going to be mobile. You're going to get outrun. Yeah. yeah. So for instance, like me, myself, like I've put on 25 pounds since I've been here. Really? So I, I was getting around at like 220. It's about 100 kilo, just under 100 kilo. Um, because I needed to run. Um, but you then, were what, 6'6"? Six, six? Yeah, 6'6". Six, yeah. six. Um, so yeah, we would do a, a heap of running. That's why, and yeah. that's why like when we do running out here, that's, I'm, why that's, you're like, killing that's it. my thing. Yeah. Like that's the one, the one drill yeah. where, where I, mean, I might actually win. Like I'm not going to be the yeah. fastest, but I'm. You I'll could just outrun. Keep, yeah, yeah, you no. could. Yeah. Well, I probably won't outrun, outrun Mo. Mo's a machine. No, that's you, dude. No. I remember my first summer out here. I didn't know who you were. Uh, you were leading the pack, and I'm like, this guy's a tight end for sure. Six six two forty, yeah. just striding out there. I thought you were a tight I, end. I was though. trying to mow you down. Pardon the pun. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> that was bad. Sorry. No, that was good. That's what we need. Yeah. Puns. Um, nah. So you play, play eight years, right? And then decide to call it quits. Uh, you know what? What goes into that decision? And then, and then you're, hey, I'm, I'm gonna move to the U.S. and play college football and pursue this American football dream. Uh, yeah. So in my last year, I had a, a few concussion issues. Um. And it wasn't because of concussion that I retired. I actually came back and played, uh, which I'm really glad I did. I kind of needed that closure when I look back at it retrospectively. But um, it was kind of, uh, it wasn't really like a deliberate move to come over here. It kind of like just popped up. Um, and one of my good mates who's actually was the punter at Utah and just transferred over to Florida or a school in Florida, um, he had just committed to Utah and I was like oh this looks pretty good I was coming out of contract at the end of the year and I was like at my age this is probably something if I'm going to do it because I'd always kind of thought about coming over here and having a crack um, so I just sat down and had a, a conversation with the, the coaches at Pro Kick and then had a kick before Christmas Eve I think 20, uh, 2017 and then uh, he sent the footage off to well, no at the same time I think Coach Baxter at the time was asking if there was any good punters around and they're like, well, this guy's come down for a kick but he's actually not really in the program. If you want him, you have to act on it fast because I'm, like, I was still contracted. So um, in about a five-day span, it kind of played out and I ended up retiring and committing to come to USA. Yeah. Wait, so how long have you been practicing punting before... You got the offer here. Uh, well, I hadn't really been punt like not not punting as you know it over here, but yeah. I had been doing because the the art of kicking, which we do a lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. is very. It's like the same action, it's same similar. concept. Okay, you just need to fine tune some stuff. Um, and don't get me wrong, that's a really hard process to kind of master the art of uh, of what's needed over here. Um, but I had I showed enough in that first kind of footage that. Um, Coach Baxter showed a lot of faith in me and, um, yeah, I kind of showed a lot of faith in him that he, he wanted me and yeah. that was it. Yeah. What was he watching, your 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 American football like film or was he watching your AFL stuff? Uh, I think he'd seen a little bit of the AFL stuff, yeah. but it, that didn't really play into the decision a lot. I think, like, he watched primarily me Practice kicking in stuff. NFL ball, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Okay. Dude, that's wild. That's yeah, so my like, world was flipped on its head. How, yeah, what would you put like two weeks on it between the decision to I'm gonna try out this new skill until the point where Coach Baxter said, 
you know, we'll take you and you know, come move to Los Angeles. Um, like, like well, what's, what's that time frame looking like? I literally just had that one kick. Uh-huh. That I, one, I, I that one training for, session. Yeah, probably about an hour and a half maybe. And the coach was from Australia, from yeah. Pro Kick, was filming me. Um, and I had kicked an, an American football prior to that, but I hadn't been actively training it or anything. And then um, I had a few more conversations with, with Coach Baxter and um, I think it was probably, pro- yeah, probably like a two-week period where I had kind of finalised my decision and confirmed that I was going to retire. I had to go in and tell wow. my head coach that I was going to yeah. retire. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I've ne- I don't think I've ever been yeah. so nervous in my life. I bet. Yeah, I thought he was, I genuinely thought that he was going to lean over the table and like punch me in the face because he was just like you're screwing over the list here. Right. <laughs> but uh, he was super supportive, and um, I think he kind of always knew that at some point I was going to go down this pathway. Yeah. So, so what's the dream? What's the dream? Just to come to America, see what the culture's like, be on a team, or is it to be like in the NFL and be an NFL punter and have another professional career? Yeah, that's that's my uh, my end goal. I had a conversation with one of my old teammates, Shane Edwards, Ripper bloke. Um, Wait, what'd you say? <laughs> Ripper bloke. Ripper bloke. Like, <laughs> All right, we can't uh, just pass over. Yeah, no, you're gonna have to explain that. <laughs> yeah, bro. What? Oh, just a, just a, what's Ripper mean? Just a, like he's like a like he's shredded. Like he's a no, big no, dude. He's just, a, he's just a good bloody, guy. Just a bloody good dude. Okay. Okay. Just a, a Ripper bloke. Um, and he was saying like when you look back when you're 40, and like you kind of look at your life story like what do you want to like what are you going to see um and then we kind of spoke about how like i've got drafted out of high school played afl and i'll go to college and then the goal is to play nfl but uh i think even if it's just coming over here getting a degree which i never thought i would do um coming to a school like usc looking back at that when i'm 40 and like everything i've experienced it's would just be like a really cool um, achievement and something I'd be super proud of. And um, so, regardless of whether I make NFL or not, like I'm really, really grateful that I've had this opportunity to come over here and immerse myself in a different culture and different sport. But without a doubt, like the number one priority is like I want to play NFL. NFL. Yeah, that's that would be cool. All all Pac-12, right? Yeah, we're going to say all Pac-12. Look, I'm going to take it. (laughs) NFL, that'd be be sick. Playing, yeah, playing pro for two different leagues in two different countries. That's amazing. That was was one of the things that I was like, if I can get drafted in two professional sports, Mm -hmm. I'll be, that was one of the things I wanted to tick off. So, working hard towards that. Yeah, Bo Jackson. Yeah, Bo Jackson. Dude, I'm. If you're gonna put me in the same, <laughs> I'll take greatest it. athletes of all time. <laughs> Bo Jackson, Ben Griffiths. Nah, I think there's right daylight there. between that. <laughs> oh yeah. man, yeah. Um, dude, I'm still in all of after one workout. You know, your your pro kick guys are like he's ready to go play in the states. Yeah. Because I mean, there's dudes that you're from California, who spend their whole lives dreaming about playing at USC. This dude Ben pulls up to a field in Australia, still in, still on contract. He kills a workout. He's like, all right, yeah, we'll take him. Yeah, I think like kicking, that's amazing. Kicking, oh, kicking is that sport too, yeah. right? We have personal trainers. Yeah. You do it from like when you're a pop Warner, and he's like, my kid's gonna be a kicker, right? So you practice that skill of learning how to kick, whether it's like field goals or punter, and try to go to great school, and then try to make it a league. And then once you make it to the league, you know, people are there for years and years and years, so it's even hard to get in. So that's a very competitive and, and tough process. Yeah, no doubt. I was reading about Mason Cox, basically did the opposite thing. So yeah. he came from, he was a basketball player at Oklahoma State, some 6'10 guy, didn't really get, even get much playing time, just a big dude. And somehow he found out about Aussie rules and he moves over there. So it's just the opposite thing. Is he... How is he as a player? Is, is he is he getting the respect that uh, that you know natural born Aussies are getting, or uh, how does that work? Is that is that a common thing, or is he like one of a kind in that sense? Because I see a lot of you know guys doing what you're doing, you know the the Aussie guys coming out here and playing, you know punting, that's becoming a trend, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't see it the other way around. Yeah. So there's been a couple of guys. I think. Uh 
Mason has certainly had the the most established career, I would say. Um, and I think the way that he's gone is probably more impressive than us coming over here. You think so? Yeah, because... Why? I mean, the skill that we kind of do with kicking is already very transferable. So you only need to tweak a few minor things. Whereas he's had to learn how to kick. You guys have to be athletes. Yeah, right? and he's also... Around, yeah. and, and I mean, that's yeah. he's come from basketball, so he's already a, a really good athlete, no doubt. Um, but then he's had to learn the game, and it's a very complex game. Um, so I, I think what he's done is uh, really good for the game of AFL in America because he's given it a massive amount of exposure. Um, and I think it's pretty impressive. Uh, he he actually coughs a bit of flack in the media. Does he? Yeah, because, I mean, everyone has a bad game, but yeah. um, I think because of who maybe. he is... Yeah. And because of his story, he kind of stands out a lot and probably cops more than uh, your average player because of where he's come from. Bro, this man grew up in Texas, Mason Cox. He's lived in Australia for two years and he's already got an Australian accent. Yeah. Have you heard him speak recently? It's, he's still got an element of American. Like, it's not, yeah. I wouldn't say he's like a. But he's got all the lingo. He says, mate. The whole, the yeah. whole nine yards. Well, I mean, everyone. What? Everyone says, man. You've, you've I been here for lot, two, yeah. three years. Why don't you sound American? I'm, Has I'm, yours changed? I'm doing everything possible <laughs> to, to not get the You're American. Watching like Australian <laughs> movies <laughs> every night yeah. and everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm like on the phone back home to my mates. <laughs> yeah. Like, just talk to me. I need to hear an Australian voice. <laughs> Do you think it'll change or no? Um, I don't know. It was it was nice to go back home over uh, over New Year's and kind of freshen up and yeah oj was adamant that he's never gonna lose he's his never. yeah he could live here for 10 years and have yeah his I, th- I think there's like a, a threshold you get to a certain age and then it kind of yeah it just this. stays whereas if, if if i had to come over when i was maybe like 16 or 17 or even 18 then i would have maybe been more like impressionable and yeah i think it subconsciously happens because i reckon there's even times where um if we're in the weight room and we're we're getting the count right and like i would subconsciously just say like a number with an american accent because i'm hearing it oh do you i think i think so i think it happens do you feel yourself saying it and then you're like damn it there's been a few times where i've noticed myself with like saying an american sounding word and i've been like don't do that again you say y'all no 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 that is something i'll never say y'all yeah but there, are there any sayings you've picked up? Like, OJ loves using cap. Oh, yeah. Cap is an American like, There's thing. some, like, sayings yeah, that he's picked yeah. up and, like, incorporated. And Anything that you've Vice added? versa, we've picked up some British True. lingo. Okay. Yeah. safe. Safe? Yeah. Like, give me some context. You're like, hey, what's up, Ben? Safe, Mo. Like, every time OJ walks... <laughs> it's like a greeting. Every, yeah, it's a greeting. Yeah, every, <laughs> that wasn't much context. Every time he, he opens up the apartment front door, safe, Mo. Safe, A-Money. Safe blue dog, and he just he just says safe to everybody. Is that like an introduction? Like what's up? Yeah, it's just oh, like yeah. yeah, what's up? It's safe. It's universal. Yeah. You could say it to. It's kind of like a bet. You could replace bet. it with a bet. Or it's yeah. more like what's up? Hey, safe. hi. Yeah. Well, okay. he's got a bunch of different ones, but. It's interesting. I no, I was I was actually surprised. I was listening to Mason, and he sounded like he was he born and raised in Australia. Yeah. Well, maybe it doesn't work the other way around. I don't know. Good on him. I think he's give, going the, he's give, going the right way. Give Ben a, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Give Ben another year and. You'll be American. Nah, nah, I don't reckon. How about if Amy and I went to Australia? I think you have a very good time. I'm term, talking about in terms of accent. Is it this? Is it sought after the same way? Like if a girl listens to your accent here, she's all over it. <laughs> if Australian accent, yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like, is it? Is it like? Uh, oh yeah, my God, he's got an American accent. <laughs> like, wow. Um, I've never been in that position. Where I've had an American accent and been in Australia, no, so I don't you, really know. You've been Australian, you've been over <laughs> here. Yeah. I've been in Australia, and I've come here. Have you seen Americans in Australia? So yeah, um, I would, I'm going to assume that yeah, you probably would because it's different, and uh, oh, this is very poor generalization, but I feel like Australian women don't like Australian men, so really? that's tough. I they think, like American I think men. you would have a pretty good time. I think we have to move to Australia. Yeah. To Australia. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dude, I've, yeah. I've only heard there, great things. Yeah, one hundred percent. I've only heard great things in terms of the women out here. There's a uh, a culture of fitness that doesn't really exist to to that extent here in the U.S. 
you know, with the fitness IG models, that's a big thing. And maybe it's overplayed, but everyone that goes to Australia, we were talking to one of the girls that lives on uh, on the fourth floor of our apartment, and she said she visited one time, and now she wants to move to Melbourne. Well, I'm we, from Melbourne, and it's a really yeah, nice place. Yeah, we asked her, like, what are you going to do after school? <laughs> she just said, I'm moving to Australia. She doesn't have a job, nothing. She just loves it. She said it's uh, they pay pretty well. Like, you can be just a barista in a coffee shop making good money. Yeah, if you, you don't need to, like, she almost said, like, what, $30 an hour or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, yeah. okay, so the I think the minimum wage, the whole thing over here with, like, tipping and uh, very different, very different. Because, like, like you're saying, like, if you go and work at a cafe, like, you probably earn 25 bucks an hour. Um, and then if, like, you work on a public holiday, you can double that. Um, but, yeah, like, if you're a really good barista and you make really good coffee... <laughs> You're like, the best barista in town. No, honestly, like cafes will, because there's a massive cafe culture in Melbourne. Mm. They will like seek really good baristas and you can make really good money. Wow. Well, you were saying earlier that, that Australians are known for being kind of coffee snobs in a sense. So. Yeah, Melbourne in particular. Really? Yeah, very coffee snobby. So yeah. are you like a superstar if you're a good barista or something? Like, you have an uh, agent to represent you. I you think have contract negotiations. Yeah. I'm sitting out today, boys. <laughs> sure, there's like barista art over there in a sense too. No, he's yeah, drafted. Barista yeah. art That's is massive, thing. yeah. Like it's, they take pride in it. And um, as the customer, I take, in pride, I take pride in judging their coffee. Pretty hard. How much better is coffee over there than here? Oh, it's much better. Like I, I don't even know how to explain it. But it's just so much better. The coffee over here is just so Just the bad. quality. You're saying even the most fancy coffee here, you know, the elite of the elite, Beverly Hills, you're saying it doesn't compare to your average shop in Australia? Not even close. Wow. Like Melbourne's probably got 100 cafes better than the best cafe over here. What if you open up one of those here? Do you think? There are actually a few Australian cafes over here. Really? There's a few in New York too, and they're actually doing really well. It's it, so it uh, tastes different. Like That's a thing, yeah. an Australian coffee shop. Yep. I think Great White in Venice is Australian. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I think I've been there. It's great yeah, way. Great yeah. food. Great Already coffee. Already got a fan. Yeah. yeah. Already got a, a fan. fan. Yeah. Uh, it's not necessarily, I'm sure their coffee's amazing, but I think Elefante is Australian as well in Santa Monica. Makes sense if it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you get your coffee then nowadays? Uh, well, uh, Dolce is actually... Oh, in the village. Yeah. Okay. That, uh, and their coffee, um, they actually have an Australian working behind the, the mm. coffee machine. Um. And she makes a really good coffee. That's why I go there. Yeah, there may be some bias there, but... Yeah, bro. <laughs> no, I'm shout out to my <laughs> fellow Australian. But, hey, she knows how to make a coffee. True. Lessons to be learned. So, what, are you just chatting to her about, you know, back home and the way she makes it or what? No, like, I, I know Maddie pretty well. Oh, she goes here? Yeah, she goes to the okay, school. Okay. So, um, shout out to Maddie. Yeah, she's shout listening. out to Maddie if she's listening. Probably not, but... Why not? Shout anyway. Corrupting no um, our listeners. But I can I can yeah. definitely make sure she yeah. listens to it. Yeah. Um but yeah, uh yeah, no, she I guess just knows how to make a coffee. Hmm. Yeah. So what else about the culture do you like in Australia? How is it different than here? We talked a little bit about the nightlife. It's more drug focused and alcohol focused and so just walk me through like a regular night, you and your mates in Australia. What, what does that look like? Yeah, so um, I noticed it massively when I came, uh, and I, I, I've kind of been trying to hypothesize about it because I'm doing psychology and I've had a few substance classes. Um, and the legal drinking age of 21, I don't know if that kind of plays into the drinking habits of college students, but um, there's certainly like a culture, at least at college, where people will just go out and get hammered at pre-games um, and write themselves off because they know they probably can't buy drinks if they go out. Um, whereas back home, like me and my mates, when we perch up at a pub somewhere, we're just sitting in the beer garden and like we're not going to move. Like we're just locking in for the afternoon, you know? And then it's just, it's not like we're not just sculling beers like every 30 seconds. It's like a steady pace. Yeah. It's just steady flow. Just Kicking good it. times. Yeah. And like, and it's more based around conversation rather than just getting absolutely... Just taking shots, yeah. Yeah. Loud music. Written I also heard something interesting where the day before your version of the Super Bowl, what's, what's the championship called? Premier or something? Uh, 
the premiership. Yeah, the premiership. Where that day is off completely because they know people showing up to work would just be hungover. It's a public so, holiday. Yeah, it's a public holiday. That day is completely off. Crazy. Because they know it's just going to be a rager three days straight. Yeah. Well, I mean, people are going to take the day off anyway if their team wins. Yeah. So they're just like, oh, we'll cut our losses and just give everyone the day off. Enjoy the day. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a huge, that's a huge, have you played in that before? Uh, I ha- I didn't play in it, but my last year, my team won it. Okay. Yeah. So I was there. So Richmond, uh, do you have a, what I've do you get? A ring do you get a home. ring? Yeah. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. That's the equivalent of winning a Super Bowl. So you're la- you went out the right way. Is that what you were talking about with? Oh, it would have been nicer to play in it, but I yeah. still got a ring. I still played a part, and okay. I mean, looking back at it, I'll still be. You've got a ring, yeah. so that's. I mean, you still contributed. You've been with that what the same, same team for those all eight years, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when I got drafted, uh, that was the first year that uh, our head coach started, um, and he's now gone on to to coach them to three premierships in four years. So. Wow, it's kind of been. It was really cool to kind of be there from the transition of us being really, really bad mm. to just really, really good. Yeah, and so um, you got to see that growth, and you were a part yeah. of it the whole time. And 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 also the shift in uh, kind of what it took to be able to be really good, um, and how the team chemistry kind of functioned, and uh, and the operations from the the leadership, not even just from the coaches, but from the the president and the CEO, and how yeah. they manage the club as a whole, um, and their values and that sort of stuff, and how that impacted the playing group, and um, it's amazing how everything's so interlinked. Mm. Um, Did you notice a difference where everyone's buying in all of a sudden, and yep. yeah, just absolutely. over time, yeah. yeah. W- was it top down thing, or was it like the people in the club really brought the energy and cohesiveness, or was it from like you said, the management and the coaches and kind of like leaked down. I think uh, it stemmed from the head coach, the CEO and the president and all three of them allowing for the like the like administration, um, the support staff for game day, like your trainers and stuff to feel like they're making an impact. Um, and then also as the playing group, which is probably the most important part, um, just celebrating each individual for who they were and really encouraging them to play to their strengths and like use their ability and what they were drafted for on game day. And like, so to say you got a really fast guy, you're telling him, mate, every time you get the ball, you just take off. I want to see you use your speed. Like use your your strength to make our team better. Um, and I think with with sports, you can often get caught up in trying to make each player the same type of player, but everyone's different and everyone's got different strengths and um, the shift towards celebrating everyone as being a different individual really helped our team. Yeah. I read also you guys have this legendary player, Dusty Martin. Absolute star. I <laughs> hear he's the Tom Brady of of the league essentially in terms of Goat status is that is that accurate? Would you portray it that same way? Uh well, I mean Tom Brady's like pretty. He's good. the goat of all. Yeah, he's the best. <laughs> he's in one sport, but but uh, in terms of like a Michael Jordan esque figure, where yeah. he's certainly in he's terms of dude. performance in uh, in finals games and playoffs. Um, Dusty Martin is unrivaled. I think he's won three best of oh, three MVPs of the the Grand Final or Super Bowl. So we got some stats up. What, what's the stats you look for, like an all-star? Yeah, what's player? going on here? Is he yeah. is he making the most kicks through the post? <laughs> no. So, well, I mean, he certainly does. He's very damaging up forward. That's like that's why he's so good because okay. he plays in the midfield and dominates in there, but then can also go forward and and it's a really hard matchup because of his size and strength. Um, because whatever hitouts are seems to always own that <laughs> position. <laughs> The hit out. That's the ruck. That's the ruck position. That's actually really bad for a ruck. So it says disposals, kicks, yeah, disposals, marks, yeah, disposals is uh is probably the number one category. But you want to look at efficiency too. So someone might have like forty disposals, but be running at like sixty three dis- uh three sixty three percent efficiency. Um, anyone who's like up around eighty percent is elite. But Dusty is just so unique. I don't think there's any other player like him, and that's why he's so damaging. Why is he unique? Because he can do a lot of things very well. <laughs> he's just such a freak. It's just different. Huh? Like he can just 
He just gets stuff done when it needs to be done. Like big moments. Sounds like he's clutch too. Yeah, clutch. Man, some of the goals he's kicked from like the boundary, um, it's just incredible. And is he, has he always been like that? So you guys get drafted right of high school, right? Is he a guy that developed like a Tom Brady or from the very beginning, everyone knows Dusty's going to be that guy? Um, Yeah, I I think like, because so me and Dusty were in the same draft and uh, he was such a, he was like, everyone knew he was going to be a star. Um, and then I think like over the journey, he's just grown so much as a, as a player and, and has now become a really good leader at Richmond in, in, in the way he approaches his training and his professionalism. Um, but, uh, man, he's just like, I don't even know how to describe how good he is. Like he's so good. Yeah. Yeah. How about his, uh, we were talking about his training too. I thought it was, it was an interesting uh, strategy he had. Yeah, well, he's just found a balance that works for him. And um, I mean, without COVID, he usually spends every off season in LA or in the States. And yeah, um, yeah like, I mean, he does whatever he needs to do. And, and I think that's, again, comes back down to what he's found works for him. And that's like, he'll train super hard during the year and apply himself to the game really well and, um, but then we'll also let him let himself relax and 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 celebrate and enjoy himself, and that's part of just being a human. So I think, um, yeah, what, whatever he's doing is working for him. So right. I'm just yeah, I'm in awe of what his his output is right now. It's pretty impressive. And and do you like try to take game from other players, or when you watch games, or do you just see what works for you and, and go that route? Like, do you try to pick apart Dusty's game and try to take some of that and put incorporate in yours, or how, how does that usually work? Uh, we were different positions, so yeah. I, I would. There wasn't much that I would take, and there's probably not much I could take from Dusty's game because yeah. a lot of the stuff he does is, um, yeah, I can't do. But uh, yeah, certainly we would we would scout other players who would play similar position position from other teams, and um, I would try and take like techniques that they might use in a in a marking contest or a one on one situation. And try and implement that myself. Um, so yeah, you're kind of always watching film and, and studying other players um, to try and get better. But I mean, yeah, dude, this looks like controlled chaos going on. Do you ever miss the the adrenaline that's going on when you're running with the ball? Yeah, <laughs> there there are parts of the game I miss. I just miss being involved so much. Like yeah, I wish I could like a big part. part yeah, yeah, and that's why I guess now. I'm kind of getting a little bit of that through being able to train with more of the team. Okay. Because the specialists are now working with the D line right, yeah. and we're doing everything with them. Um, so I kind of feel way more a part of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I certainly miss being kind of out there and. Yeah, because specialists are usually in their own corner of the field. Yeah. Especially well, yeah. during camp and all that, you're just doing your own thing. And even in my first year, we would, we would do all the special teams periods at the start of practice and then we would go inside and lift. Oh. So we wouldn't even watch practice. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So no, people would be like, "Oh, how's the team going?" It's like, "Oh, I have no I idea. They're doing don't well. know. I haven't seen anyone <laughs> practice." Um, whereas now I can kind of like get You're that with the guys that fix that I need of like being around more yeah. people. Yeah. That's the thing I miss the most. I think is is kind of being around the team. And is that what you miss most about yeah. Richmond as well? Just being with the guys in the locker room and yeah, that's. That's, yeah, that's the best part of sports. That's right? where your memories yeah, are That's made. what everyone misses, yeah. yeah. Have you ever thought about, oh, I can play tight end or I can play this position watching practice? That's actually a good question. In high school, we had <laughs> yeah. uh, our punter, all-American punter, plays in the league now. Um, I think he he got picked up by the Bucks a month before they won the Super Bowl. He was our middle linebacker like you. He was like 6'4", 240. Have you ever thought about playing a different position or anything? Or at yeah. least running a fake Oh look, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. more than happy to run. Yeah, a fake. when's the fake cover? Yeah, the <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I would love for a fake <laughs> to happen. Um, I'm gonna talk to Coach Snyder on that. Yeah, look, I've I don't know. I don't know if Coach Harrell's joked about putting me in as a tight end, and Coach Orlando's even like jokingly mentioned putting me in on third and long. Yeah, um, that'd be so much fun, bro. <laughs> I know, but we'd have to be up by a seventy if we're doing that. I don't think I would trust me going in. I've got no game sense or game IQ of. 
This of, is uh, form tackling at its finest. I know, but the tackling part's fine. But like, how do I get past those big bastards that are on the line? That's like, true, there's some, yeah. there's some big, freaking units getting around. Yeah, oh, there's, no, I, there's no 300 pounders yeah, playing no. And I'm not armed with the technique to kind of <laughs> slide under and get through. Uh, you know? Let's say you have a delayed blitz, open <laughs> hole, the quarterbacks are sitting back there, <laughs> yeah, in comes go. Ben Griffiths. Yeah. If you can guarantee Form me an tackle, open hole, sack. I'll, I'll oh, run through it. I thought you, you were talking like practice a little bit. Other yeah. side of the ball, are you talking defense? I thought you were talking about going up and getting it like you were oh, getting it. Oh, both. Throw it up to Ben. Yeah, I think like maybe like a... Red zone fed. If we're up like 70... Against UCLA, yeah, we'll run it. Goal Tell line coach. Fade, oh, God, I'm gonna go up. Yeah, coach well, because you're that. used to catching it, catching it amongst groups of five, six people. Yeah. So what if you just put one corner on you? That's five ten. Like, bro, this is cake. I can't jump like I used to. <laughs> you lost it. I've lost it. Yeah. <laughs> I've lost it with my hands. Oh man, how about um, how about trash talk? Uh, to be honest, mate, everyone's too tired to trash talk. Really. Out there. Yeah, you're running around too much. If you've got if you've got energy to trash talk in an AFL game, you're not working hard enough. Mm. That that was my kind of understanding. Yeah. How about when you get that thirty second break between catching the kickball and then giving it a free try? Mate, you are trying to get as air. much oxygen into your lungs as possible. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, like <laughs> two hundred yard field. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a freaking long field. And there's a, yeah, we would do, so our running sessions, kind of like how we would do gases. Yeah. Um, we would do like one kilometer intervals, which is just over half a mile. So we'd do like six of them. Yeah. Are any fights breaking out? Breaking out? Uh, occasionally you get a, a melee breaking out. Yeah. You been in one? Uh, I've been in a few scuffles, <laughs> but like... Scuffles? <laughs> Yeah, I'm no nothing brawls, like just yeah. small scuffle. Well, no, because you get fined too much now. Like, oh, really? Yeah. And then, so if you're if you're just fighting by yourself with someone else, you wear the fine. But if there's other people involved, mm. they like spread the fine out. Yeah, they spread the love. So if it's gonna happen, you yeah, want it to happen just in distribute a group. It. Yeah, you want it to be. In a group. You don't want to be going one. Yeah, all your boys uh, involved. How much are the fines? Ah, uh, they'd be like I think the most we had was like fifteen hundred. So yeah, it's like your match payment gone. Yeah, still. Yeah, it's not ideal. But I see a lot of elbows. I mean, that's all legal, right? A lot right? of jumper punches. Hey. So if you, like, grab them by the scruff and like, get yeah. them on the jaw. Well, I'm, I'm talking about in the field of play, the stuff that's legal. Like, you can get away with a lot. Oh, yeah, a lot gets, like, you could kind of, like, throw a cheap one or, like, an yeah. elbow, like, during, at a stoppage or something. And yeah. umpires can't see that. Where were most of your concussions coming from? Are you, is it contact on the ground or is it? Uh, Someone hitting you. Well, I think there's actually one on yeah. YouTube. Check you this type in Ben Griffith's KO. Oh, that Barry. Yeah, Hall. watch this. You were asking about fights. Watch this. <laughs> wow, that's just clean. Right and he got. I think he got suspended like eight weeks or something for that. Uh, what am I looking for? Yeah, he's like, I yeah, didn't do anything. <laughs> it's like he fully knocked the bloke out. Um, if you Ben Griffith's KO. I got knocked out one time, like trying to jump up and get the ball and then landed on my head. Were you out cold? Um, yeah, I was out for... I remember waking up on the board, coming down the race, going inside. I think I was out for like a minute wow. and six seconds or something. Wow. How many concussions did you have? Uh, recorded. Yeah, it was probably like nine or ten. Wow. It's recorded. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think like... Thing for me was like, kind of after this one, it took less and less to feel, mm. to like be concussed, and that's where yeah, like it was kind easily, of like yeah, it became actually uh, like really troubling because I was like worried about it. I was like, freaky, like if I keep doing this, like what am I going to be like when I'm forty five? Um, yeah, it's not ideal, but I mean you. There's, Bro, I, I had one, yeah, no, I had a bad one, I guess it's now two years ago, against Missouri, and I slid, and uh, safety came down, and I was already on the ground for maybe, I mean, it felt like an eternity, maybe a full second or two, and he just, you know, flagrant targeting right at my head, and knocked me out of the game, and I mean, I had headaches, and you know, concussion-like symptoms for a long time after that, weeks, months. Yeah. It would be like every few days just have headaches and, I mean, it's tough. Yeah. 
it's tough. I, I got into a lot of the, the supplementation and stuff for it. You know, a lot of the DHA, fish oils. Um, man, I was, I was doing the hyperbaric chamber stuff. I was doing uh, float pods. Like, I was getting into it. There's even uh, light therapies, a lot of, um, IV glutathione. I don't know if you've tried any of the any of the recovery methods for it. Well, I, I did a, a lot of work with like a, I think it's the vestibular. It's like yeah. So that that was my concussion. It was yeah. a vestibular concussion. So yeah. I worked with a, a vestibular physio. Okay, I did and, the same uh, exact thing. Yeah, I did a lot of like movement through motion and focusing on things on the wall. It jacked up your balance, right? Yeah, and yeah. like, uh, I would work on like a, a metronome. Mm-hmm. So I'd start off real slow because I had to focus on like a dot on a wall. Yeah, and then move my head like at a certain tempo. I did the same exact thing. And While I remember the first time doing it, like feeling like I was going to f- yes. throw up. Yes. Um, so I worked with her for, gee, that would have been like three months. Yeah. Um, I did something similar to that. Yeah. And that's kind of where I laid a lot of my focus. And then through that, I kind of had to manage my heart rate and stuff with working out yeah. um, and then gradually build back up because I had a real issue with migraines. Um, oh. And if I would exert myself too hard i'd just get like a migraine i'd feel like i'm going to throw up yeah. and i'd lose uh my vision so yeah like i just worked with her for i think it was like yeah 12 weeks and then kind of go back to a stage where i was really confident that i was in a better place to to go back and play but even when you're confident that sounds pretty traumatic like even the rehab and being able to get back to that spot did yeah. that affect how i don't know either of you how you played the game well, if you want to play at a high level, it can't, yeah. right? Yeah. But a lot of it is you have headaches for so long that you expect it to come on. Yeah. I don't know if you, you felt the same no, thing. No, I, I would wake today, up and I'd be like waiting still, for my headache. I kind of, I'm like waiting for the next one, you know? And oh, still. And that's because like, but that's just because of where I was, you know? And yeah. like the expectation that I had. And even now, like I think it sometimes, but I know I'm fine. Um. But yeah, like that's just product of the game and yeah no i mean it's it's a tough deal man i don't know if you've ever gone through anything like that uh, I, I mean i've had serious injuries right yeah. like i've broken my leg multiple sur- shoulders surgeries and de- definitely like affects your mental capabilities to come back but yeah. especially something like a head where it's traumatic you yeah. see yourself getting knocked out um, i think too like when i first because i had three in uh i think it was like a a four-week period or something. And then after that, the club was like, no, we're not playing. Three and a like, four-week period. You need right. to go. How do they like, let you come back and play after the first two? A lot of it was because I was like, I'm on a play. told them. Yeah. yeah. Um, were but, you feeling fine or were you still feeling symptoms? Uh, I don't know. I think like I kind of convinced myself that I was feeling fine, even yeah. though I probably yeah. I wasn't. Uh, but then also like a lot of it at the start is like you can't make a decision when you're in that moment because – I knew myself that like I wasn't in the mental state that I knew that like is my norm like is my normal. So like I didn't want to make a rash decision, say like to retire, because I knew that like if I could see the people that I needed to see and they would give me the advice I needed, that I could make a more calculated decision that wasn't based on emotion. And if I had the facts where like, you know what, I'm gonna be okay or this is I can make this better then I can be better placed to make a decision. Yeah. And that's in, that was where I was at. That, that's the scary thing because it's so on you about like how yeah. you feel, right? And even if you feel great in the moment, it's how you feel in the next 10 years. And you see all these retired yeah. athletes and how it's affecting them now, right? Yeah. With like a broken leg, you know it's healed, right? It was something like a concussion. You can come back, to your point, you can come back worse and easier. Yeah. Well, that's the scary part too where we're – we're in the infancy stage with the brain research. Mm-hmm. And when I was going through my process, I'm asking the neuro guys. And I mean, Vandy has some of the top guys in the country in terms of uh, concussion research. A lot of them are even uh, contracted by the NFL. So like the head concussion guys and they, they run the whole operation. And I'm having these you know doctor's appointments with them on a weekly basis. And I'm asking them these questions. And a lot of them, they don't even have the answers yet. They're, they're frank yeah. about it. They said, you know, we're in the beginning of this research. A lot of it's a feel thing. You know, there's there's no way to measure it. You can't do you can't do an MRI the same way you could do for an ACL and see exactly what's going on. Yeah, it's how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. 
so it's tough and then they're they're kind of conservative with the recovery stuff is which is why i was so proactive about it you know i kept researching researching there's got to be something i could do so that's how i got into the blue light glasses even to this day at night wear the blue light glasses um again like the supplements i was talking to you about and something that i haven't tried yet but i want to get into is stem cells so i think one of my uh so my dad's a doctor and, and and a guy he knows out here in la his son i believe works for the nfl or does research for the nfl with concussion uh and and he works in a lab with mice he basically gives them concussions with a hammer rings their bell right and then uh, injects them with their own stem cells and he's doing that research for for the league essentially yeah and seeing what he can do with that and, he, and according to him he's seeing great results and so what he suggested to me was we would take a sample out and then uh, what you want to do is, I believe, inject yourself within like 48 hours or something such that it can reach the blood-brain barrier. Um, and you know, I don't want to say you go back to baseline, but he's saying you're, you're almost as good as you were before, yeah. which is ex- as crazy as it sounds. Um, he's, I mean, right, he's kind of biased, but... Yeah. There's some crazy research coming out, man. It's something to consider. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the yeah. next kind of 20 years. Right. Especially when you have, like, the the past players and, and tracking how they're going mm. post-retirement. Or post is there period. the same kind of outrage in Australia with the brain stuff as, as there is here? Uh, the lawsuits and... You know. Well, there is at the moment, actually. Like, there's a lot of past players kind of coming back now who are actually really struggling with, um, with mental issues. And there's been a couple of players who have unfortunately passed away and and they've donated their brains to research and yeah. it's come back that they've had really severe forms of cte um but like you're saying ha- handle that does the league try to help it out or sweep it on the rug a little bit i guess because there's so much unknown about it like no i don't think anyone knows what to do and like the league probably doesn't know how to handle it um nor do the players and the past players that are affected by it um and that's i guess the scariest part of it all is the unknown. Um, and we live in a world where we need to know everything and yeah. feel comfortable. Yeah. Give something. Well, good. Big Ben, it's been an honor to have you on. AFL legend, future NFL punter, all Pac 12, <laughs> USC Trojan standout, Ben Griffiths. Can't wait for you to sign the wall. Join the momentum. Take a picture. Alumni. Get the pictures oh, yeah, over take there. The photo. Too. Again, brother, really appreciate it. Let's do it soon sometime. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. For sure. Appreciate it.